Hi, ciao, this is Giuseppe Camuncoli, a.k.a. Camo from Italy, and you're listening to The Amazing Spider Talk. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle And welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan, and I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Mark Chinacchio, founder of the Chasing Amazing blog and also an editor, but not the editor like you, Dan, at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Oh, did I give it the uh, the credit of saying the editor? No, no, no. But I'm just saying, like, I, I, I said I'm also an editor, but, like, I don't want to, like, you're the man at Superior Spider Talk. <laughs> I'm, I'm, like... I'm like the second man, I guess, or maybe like the third man. I don't know, but you're the or, con- you're the content man. You you provide us some awesome content all week. Uh, all right. Well, enough about me. What about the show we're doing, Dan? All right. Yes. Well, let's start <laughs> off by thanking our fans for joining us. As always, this is our seventh episode of our coverage of Volume Four. It's always weird to say Volume Four. Yes. Uh, of Amazing Spider-Man. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Mark, you know, actually, this reminds me of a question that I wanted to ask you. If it goes back to regular numbering and we get issue 800, <laughs> does that go back to Volume 1? Oh, uh, well, in... No, because I think like the stuff in the 500s and 600s is considered volume two. That, there you go. <laughs> I, 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 I like even like if you go to Marvel U, they like break it down by like, like, what is it? Like 1963 to 1998 and then 1998 to 2012. Yeah, interesting. These are the things, man. Does These it count? These are the things. Does it count? Um, well, anyway, for this episode, we will be discussing Amazing Spider-Man Volume 4, Number 7 by Dan Slott and artist Matteo Bufagni, reviewing your comments and emails, giving away some prizes, and talking about other prizes to be given away, and covering this week's Spider News. Awesome. So uh, Mr. Negative is here to turn us into our opposite selves, Mark. So will he be able to turn our feelings about Amazing Spider-Man around? Let's find out in a review of Amazing Spider-Man number seven. Well, holy jeez, Dan! Your your transitions are just getting better and better. Or, or am I? Have I been hit with a bit of the shade, and I'm just letting my opposite emotions come out right now and expressing that? They, they might be long winded, but they're starting to actually make rational sense. Maybe. 
If that's what you want to believe, uh, I don't want to take that away from you. You know, like I, this I, is I, all I, I'm hanging on to here, Mark, are my I, amazing transitions. I feel like I crushed your dreams enough, so let me, let me, let me let, you, <laughs> let me let you hold on to that one for now. But uh, uh, I'm clinging. I'm clinging. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Amazing Spider-Man Volume Four, Number Seven. Uh, Dan, you know, I know that uh, a few episodes ago, um, you know, I kind of snarkily announced that I had turned heel against Amazing Spider-Man um, that, you know, kind of hit a new low for me. But I, I got to say, between this issue and last issue, not not that I'm in love with this book or anything, but this I feel like it's reached kind of middle-of-the-road status for me. I mean, I don't hate it, but I don't love it. So it's there and it's okay. I mean, is that... I know this is some real, a real big hot take on my part, but uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, like we, I, I feel that there are some improvements, despite the fact that there are also still some very pronounced flaws. I mean, is that a decent generalization of things right now? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you in that regard, in that I feel like everything in this book is kind of middle of the road. Like, yeah, I like, I like the art, but I don't love it. And and the same goes with the writing. We got a lot more of Spider-Man's inner monologue, so I'm like, yeah, that's great. But it still doesn't really feel all that much like the Peter Parker that I know. So, okay, uh, you know, you take the good with the bad. Yeah, I mean, I almost kind of feel like this is um, similar to what we got in Volume 3, where it was... You know, we there were some low, very pronounced low points, like you know, towards the end of the first arc with Black Cat and like her character retcon, if you will, and then of course Spider Verse. But kind of around that were a couple of arcs that I mean, they weren't terrible stories, but you know, they they weren't memorable in any way either. I mean, like if you go back and think about it, I mean, there was like that the 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 ghost arc and like the Miss Marvel two parter, and I mean, these weren't bad, but. Um, I think this Mr. Negative the Cloak and Dagger arc is going to probably be remembered in the same vein or not remembered uh, because I think that's what we're dealing with here is this kind of middle of the road stuff. But I mean, in terms of what we, what worked, I mean, you mentioned a few seconds ago about the, the inner monologue. I mean, this was something that we had been hammering and hammering and hammering through the first five issues. Uh, Peter's inner, inner monologue returned. Um, last issue, I feel... This one, it was even more pronounced um, in terms of really trying to get in his head. Almost, almost like, does the lady doth protest too much? Is this, is this a response to people picking up on this? I don't know. Um, but it's interesting that, that we're really getting inside Peter's head here. And I think we're actually getting some revelations from getting inside his head. Absolutely. And particularly how he's kind of changed a- as a person. And, and this is the kind of thing that buoys this uh, comic for me above what we've been getting is that, okay, we're getting an idea of who this new Peter is and the world around him um, for however complex it is. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But at the very least, you know, I, I can begin to get a grasp on what makes this guy tick, um, especially in his internal monologues, because I do have some problems with how he's acting as an individual uh Outside of that, I still don't get a sense, one thing we've hammered on repeatedly, of how he's gotten to this point with his company. But also how he treats other people is very counter to uh, the, kind, the kind of person that I think Peter is. And I don't think it's been given enough um, 
of a reasoning for why he's treating people that way. Because he's very, he's very callous with people. He kind of pushes people away. And I, I still don't have a sense for why he, he's acting that way. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I pointed out on in my review on Superior Spider Talk, Dan, was that I feel like a lot of this inner monologue and then also his 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 outward actions and thoughts and things, I mean, really seem to be going towards building up to the inevitable downfall of Parker Industries, which is which is all well and good. Um, but my, my problem with that is, um, well, first of all, without seeing how he grew it up in the first place, you know, the, the, the decline doesn't mean as much, you know, like, like what, what, what is he losing here? You know, like, like what, where, where, what did the blood, sweat and tears get flushed away for because he's being more egotistical and calloused with people and not paying attention to cues and being very self-absorbed in Spider-Man business versus the larger business. I feel like in a lot of ways, this is still the same old Peter Parker in terms of, well, the Parker luck and his own, you know, and being inside his own head too much is going to be his downfall when this is supposed to be a new Peter Parker. And, and, and I don't, I don't think that that's what we were, I don't want to say guaranteed, but what we were promised with this new status quo, right? Well, well it oscillates issue to issue. Uh, you know, pr- you speak of promise, but the first issue of this series, you know, this was a Peter that was like, I mean, introducing the Uncle Ben Foundation and the Spider-Mobiles and all of the new things that we were introduced. I mean, you and I had a whole episode of just listing all the changes, you know. And, uh, and yeah, okay, he had a moment where his fly was down that kind of signaled like, okay, Peter, you know, he's still the guy who can't really juggle all these things. But there's a moment in this issue where he, like, calls the cops to come and help him bust this sting with cloak and dagger. And I like that moment, you know, like that Peter, cause he is a guy that rushes into things head first without really thinking or utilizing all of his resources. But at the same time, I'm thinking here's a guy that's running this company that's covered the entire globe. And he's commenting on the fact that he's, Oh, I can actually multitask in this endeavor. And it's like, <laughs> oh, don't you think this guy would have mastered that ability by now? <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's very hard to have offices around the world, um, and, you know, and be a, a, a Fortune 500 company, or even probably, I don't know, even beyond that, if you if you can't multitask. And 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 like I said, it's 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 things like that. It's like we're, we're there's almost like this sense in issues like this that you know, and that nothing actually happened in that eight month gap. That it was just like you know. The, the 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 book was was given birth you know the b- birth was given to the book and then and he was just dropped into this situation without any anything building to it and and to me that's that's very problematic that's not what this whole all new all different marvel in my opinion was supposed to be i mean like there were going to be some big like you know compare that to to spider woman and it, you know like we're reading this book right now and you know at no point do we get the sense that you know Jessica Drew just realized she was pregnant in issue 1 of this of that series you know what i mean like there's there's clearly been some some backstory that we're we're incrementally finding out about do you agree yeah but i think in the first issue of this book it seemed like there was this whole thing that had gone on in the eight months. I mean, who right. knows what it was, but like suddenly we're thrown into this new situation and Peter seems to be the master of it. 
you know? Right. And, and to move on to other parts of this book, like every single part of his organization here seems to be undermining him. I mean, nobody likes him. Even the, the scientists that, you know, are working on things for him, like are bemoaning his, him coming in, checking in on, on his pro- progress. And meanwhile, every other person is a mole working for some other nefarious organization. And you wonder, how did this guy get this far with so many people seeking to destroy him just like Sajani did, which, you know, I guess, I guess that's a whole separate point, which is underlining how much this story trope has been done to death uh, the of the kind of mole, but who I I I have a hard time understanding how Peter got this far with when everybody is gunning for him. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and again, we're, this is we're not talking about this is something that's been building over the span of years. This is eight month, eight fictitious months. You know what I mean? Like that's a, that's a that's a short gap of time. So if you have everyone working so actively against you after only eight months, how 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 is it even? Even with every suspension of disbelief, how is it even feasible that you have built a company like this? And 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 yeah, I I, I mean I, I just feel like at the end of the day, this is an arc being the large not this specific arc with cloak and dagger, Mister Negative, but the larger arc of this volume is we're just going to end up in the same place that we saw at the end of Horizon Labs or Peter the Teacher or Peter the Grad Student, and it's like. You know, how many times are we going to keep going over the same old material with this character? And especially when, you know, something so dramatically new seemed to be what was on 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 course here. It's, it, you know, like <laughs> I think I said it last episode, a couple episodes ago, at least, you know, if you're going to if you're going to be dramatic with the status quo, be dramatic. I mean, I think that's why we were mostly positive about the first issue. It's like, wow, they're going for this. And now it doesn't seem like anybody wants to go for it anymore. Yeah. So let's we we've hammered all these things and yeah, kind of sorry. death. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk about the things we actually like about this issue in a bit more detail. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um well, I mean for me I I I I again talking kind of the a larger plot point here, I I I liked how this issue, even with kind of this over reliance on moles and double turns and betrayals, um you really got a sense here from this issue with some of the reveals of just how deep Zodiac's tentacles are in Parker Industries. And um, I'm actually starting to accept Zodiac as more of a threat now because of that. And I feel like this story is doing a good job of kind of working in that subplot and and, and laying more groundwork uh, while, you know, while also kind of addressing the, the issues of Mr. Negative and Cloak and Dagger and, and, and the drug wars going on in, in, in Shanghai right now. Yeah, and a lot of it plays out through this very expanded uh, uh, cast of characters. You know, maybe we don't care about all of them, but uh, I felt like I had at least somewhat of an idea of how this structure is starting to work. You know, even if it's just very – it's kind of lip servicey. Um but there, there. I think maybe maybe it could just be me that I'm settling in into this. But it is nice to see that Zodiac is a threat to be like considered. You know, even if them getting passwords 
kind of goes against what the first story in this series told us, which is that they had to steal his wrist device. Um, you know, but meanwhile, they have inside insiders working. Uh, here it is. I'm trying to say something positive, and I'm slipping into the negative. Uh, oh boy, it's it's a far cry from all of the the Zodiac Bros as we refer to them in the first few issues that, you know, while they would have a funny line here and there, kind of made the outfit look very bumbling and stumbling. And whereas this seems, this seems like a legitimate first class terrorist organization, which is what Zodiac's supposed to be. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and speaking of villains, uh, I think Mr. Negative really kind of shows up here in an interesting way, or maybe more cloak and dagger. I, I thought all the action scenes featuring them were pretty exciting to read and, uh, and, and really like, well brought to life by the artist. Yeah, and we even find out that they never liked Spider-Man's witty banter, which is just so sad. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, definitely. I mean, and, and, and we got like a nice little shout out to the Dark Rain, Mr. Negative. What was that, a one shot from uh, the, the, the mid-aughts? Yeah, or, uh, so that's a really deep dive. Uh, you know, I guess Dan, like Dan Slott likes to do. I, I'm surprised that they've never actually like in ASM proper return to telling Mr. Negative's origin story. Cause I can't imagine that that dark rain, Mr. Negative book sold terribly well. No, but I mean, I'm glad they brought it up because I, at the, you know, in the moment was kind of like, wait, how is Peter not under the influence here? I forgot that it only worked once. Although, um, with that in mind, would, would, I'm trying to think with dagger, qualify as being under Mr. Negative's control because wasn't she under his control in the in the in the Spider Island mini? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I'm not really sure how the whole cloak and dagger thing works cuz remember again that they left that story as good guys, not as Yeah, well, I I clone or you know, baddies. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to poke a hole in this balloon so to speak, but I, I, it just seemed to me like we're still not we still haven't gotten an explanation as to how they're the bad guys right now and, and or why they're the bad guys outside of, oh, they're, 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 they took the, my drugs and they're under my control. So maybe because they took the drugs is different than the touch. I don't know. Or don't why know. Mr. Negative needs shade or like why he needs to turn back into Martin Lee when he has shade at his you know, disposal. Like why not slap a couple packs on – on your uh, on your arm like it's a nicotine patch and just call it a day. Yeah, it'd be Mister Negative. You know why does he need Martin Lee on his side? Yeah, I don't know. Poor don't Martin know. Lee, who every time he wakes up is just shackled to a wall. <laughs> you know, like this poor philanthropist guy who was operating this, you know, care center. Suddenly his life is is turned upside down. Right. Oh yeah. But but speaking of Peter and, and Mr. Negative under control, I mean, like, so, I mean, I, I whereas I did appreciate the, the throwback to the Dark Rain mini, um, I was a bit put off by the follow through on this plot line because it's like, you know, Mr. Negative is essentially imploring Peter under his control to to turn this this was it a philanthropist or or, or who's who's the character like I'm, I'm losing track of who the characters are here yeah, uh, some, some kind of business magnate or philanthropist in 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 hong kong or shanghai i mean yeah um and like peter like doesn't even 
like go along with that. Like, so Peter's pretending to, to be under his control and is like, oh, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll show him. But, like, he doesn't even, like, take it one step further than that one scene. It's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm away from Mr. Negative now so I can go back to being Peter and Spider-Man without without any harm or foul. Like, I, I was just like, are you, are you even going to, like, pretend? Or are you even going to, like, don't you think that, like... Mr. Negative is going to show up with this big uh, press conference to make sure that you do your job. Like, like I, it, that, that just made no sense to me. Yeah. And he even calls in and he's like, how's it going there? And I thought, okay, surely he's going to, you know, try to like cover his identity or some kind of thing and slip in to this press conference or whatever. And no, you're right. Nothing happened. It was, it was odd because I mean, he didn't know that Mr. Negative was going to turn back into Martin Lee. So by, by all his understanding, you know, Mr. Negative was watching and counting on him to, to do that. I mean, yeah. I don't know what's, what's gained or lost by him not doing or putting on the guise of doing that. But uh, I, I just felt like there, there could have been an, <clears throat> excuse me, an interesting story told in watching Peter kind of act out this farce and instead it just kind of got dropped. That was just weird to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and we also get this, these, like, you know, Philip Chang and all of these people interacting with this guy at this big press conference. And I, I thought that was really confusing. I didn't know what I was meant to get out of Philip Chang's interactions. Like, He's, he keeps stressing his energy like uh, program that he's doing. And the guy, I don't know if he blew him off. He has him plant a tree with him. And I was like, is he blowing him off? Is he telling him, no, we're going to talk about this later? Uh, the whole thing was just kind of muddied to me from the writing standpoint. I just couldn't make it out. Yeah, it's very strange. And and, and I got to say, I mean, you talked about the, the number of characters earlier. I mean, I... I, I you know, I don't want to sound like a lazy reader, but I do feel like I'm losing track a bit of who's who and whose allegiances are where. And and it's like Ming Lee and uh, yeah, Lu and, Lian and yeah. I, I I mean, I don't I don't want to be be glib, but yeah, you got a lot of characters with similar sounding names, and you know, in terms of visually, there's not a ton distinguishing each character from the other, and. I'm just I'm 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 losing a little bit of focus on what actually it and, and like it makes makes scenes like what you just described kind of become even muddier to me because it's like wait so what is actually the deal with this guy and and yeah did he blow off Philly, Philip Chang I don't know I, it doesn't it didn't seem to have a follow through it what just does kinda, that even mean if he blows off Philip Chang like yeah well exactly what are the consequences here I mean I I, 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 I don't know um, but um, yeah I, I found that strange I found that very strange on the flip side um, we got what I thought was a really good sidebar moment with a supporting cast member with Harry Osborne. Uh, what did you did you have any thoughts on this Harry Osborne scene, Dan? Or no, am I, I? I really I, liked it. I mean, Harry's a great character, and I feel like of all of Spider-Man's supporting cast, like you know, bringing him back in Brand New Day, like okay, I didn't, I don't love that Harry is back, but like I feel like he's always been consistently portrayed throughout his return. Like I, I feel like I can always check in with Harry and get a good sense of what's happening with him. 
Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I like that his arc has taken him to this point now where he's, you know, trying to kind of create, not romantically, but he's mending fences with Liz and kind of trying to grow the family a bit now to, you know, to have, you know, his two children, there's, they're the half-brothers. that um, And, of course, they keep teasing that there's something up with Normie. Of so course. maybe um, there's always something up with Normie. Um, probably the most maladjusted child in all of comic book history. Was it just <laughs> me or did Normie have an earring in this issue? Oh, I missed that. It's possible. I'm not I, denying I, it. I may have misread it, but I thought I saw that he had an earring in, in the issue. Um, but yeah, and, and the, little bro- the little brother who, uh, who seems to be growing up quite rapidly – yeah. Um, although eight months Marvel time is, you know, clearly can be either eight months or eight yeah. years. Although if this if this child was the the child of um, it's Lily Hollister's child, right? Yeah, it could be Goblin influenced. Yeah. I'm gonna say there could be some Goblin Goblin influence there. So I think that probably would have manifested itself earlier, though, if if that were the chance, but a choice. But you're right; it's 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 totally possible. Yeah, it could, it, there's my no prize for the day. Uh. <laughs> I, one of the things I did like is his conversation with Liz about how they're both running companies, and the fact that he's emphasizing family time and mending relationships and de-emphasizing his work by like essentially blowing off people that are trying to get in connection with him really is a, an interesting counterpoint to Norman Osborn, who was very much the opposite. Um, of, course, of course, on the flip side of that, where it seems like Peter was not happy that uh, Clayton was answering phones in the New York office without Harry around. So, that I mean, that could be an interesting twist here, not to speculate. Like, you know, what is, is Peter going to blow up at Harry for not being into his responsibilities and you know whereas it looks like Harry is doing you know what would Norman do he's doing the opposite of what Norman would do in terms of work right now which would be a better turn for the character so that could create some real that's what I'm saying this this whole subplot to me was very interesting and I and I hope this is something that uh slot keeps cultivating it's interesting that the interesting subplots are with the characters that we've known and liked for a long time. Like, it's just a refreshing breath of air to me, at least, to return to some semblance of norm- normality within Spider-Man books. Even if Harry and Liz are running giant companies, which, like, <laughs> we got right. Flash in outer space. We've got it's, – it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to do one of the see like a a, a reunion. Where are they now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a reunion, like a ten year reunion or whatever of these people, and being like, we had the most interesting high school class ever. <laughs> but what happens? It well, you know, there was that one kid that was killed by Venom in um, in Marvel Knights, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jessica Jones, she's uh, you know, we established that she was part of that class, and we know where she's yeah. up to now. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, it would be an interesting. It, I'm sure someone is has tr- thought of this before, but yeah, yeah. Let's let's get Bendis on that. That's that's a series that has Bendis all over it. It does. Yeah, yeah. He could do a whole series about one reunion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would be 
37 issues long. <laughs> Split it to two arcs. <laughs> so what did you think of the second half of this uh, this little aside with are we talking Regent about, we, showing up? Well, I was about to say, are we talking about the return of my 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 favorite villain from Renew Your Vows? <laughs> I, I, I mean... I was kind of thrown by it on a number of levels. I mean, you know, we, we got the tease of Regent in the very first issue of this series, which kind of indicated that, you know, he was going to be this evil behind the scenes character. And here it's almost like he's supporting the cops. So that was, that kind of threw me at first, but I also just felt like the actual action. I don't know if it was, um, Bufagni's art or, or what, but like, like when, 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 the trouble started heating up. Like I almost kind of lost the drama of it because it's the actual action seems muddy to me in terms of what was happening until Regent was kind of, you know, in his full glory on the page there, stomping on the car there. Um, am I, am I being a little dense here? I mean, were you able to follow that closely? Like, I mean, it was like Harry was pulling one of his sons out of the way, but he didn't pull Normie, but it didn't seem clear to me what was going on. Yeah, I didn't understand. I think, like, I understood well enough the action, but then the reaction from Normie was was something I didn't pick up on because he says, "I saved my my kids," and then Normie says, "Only one of them." And I was right. like, "Well, I mean, I guess he's technically correct, but I don't see what the big deal about that is." So if there was a moment there, I I, I totally missed it. Uh, it could just be that Normie is just being a weird Crazy. psychopath like he normally is, <laughs> but. <laughs> we at least he didn't wasn't pulling heads off Spider-Man dolls in this issue. Very true, very true. But um yeah, I mean, are you are you excited to see Regent back, Dan? Not particularly, but it was interesting to see him. I mean, I guess he's always been a character about control and his real plot in Renew Your Vows was to overthrow Doom, uh who he saw as this kind of malevolent force. So maybe there's something more to Regent than we previously saw, but yeah, I don't know. I, he doesn't excite me terribly. Oh, feel the burn. Feel. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, all right. Well, so that happened. <laughs> um, the, the immortal words of David Mamet. Um, so then, of course, we have... Um, do we want to get to the final reveal of this book? Is there anything else kind of between there and then that we want to touch upon? Well, I will say that, I again, that I really like the final action scene. Of, yes. of this story, and that Spider-Man uses the shade to throw it back. He throws shade at <laughs> at Dagger, yes, and, uh, and she kind of uh, gets overloaded. And I like that kind of uh, reference back to the early days of Cloak and Dagger, where you know they they would kind of have to try to balance each other out, and Cloak would always be fearful of the dark overtaking him. There's there's a whole arc in I think it's Spectacular Spider-Man where cloak kind of like loses it uh because of the darkness in him and i i like the reference to that it was a clever way of making spider-man seem smart uh and kind of thinking in the moment yeah i mean i actually um a few weeks ago on marvel unlimited read the original cloak and dagger mini by bill mantlo and um oh why is the artist escaping me from spider-man 2099 and ASM, Rick Leonardi. Thank you. Woo. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, they talk about these elements too. So like there was a definitely some, like you said, like very familiar callbacks to the history of these characters, which I thought was very smart. 
Um, and I, I also like the way that it was drawn. Like, there's a moment after the fight is over where Spider-Man is kind of picking himself up off the floor. Like, he's been kind of dazed, which he was. He got, you know, nailed by Dagger's Dagger. And, uh, and I thought it was a really kind of nice physical moment. Because when Spider-Man's swinging around, like... You know, he might as well be flying, and, and oftentimes it can feel very weightless. But mm-hmm. um, I've kind of liked about Buffagni's artwork is that, like, the characters feel like they're actually physically embodying a space. And, uh, and, and I thought that was an, a, a nice touch to this action sequence. Absolutely. Although I mean, there I, was. I will say, I didn't like that the cops were turned and then off panel webbed up to the wall. Yeah, I mean there were there were some things about the act. I mean uh, there were some really brilliant visual moments of that action sequence, and then some that I thought were not. Like even even when like Cloak and Dagger kind of teleport out again. Like I feel I don't know if it's just a looseness to Pafagni's pencils or what, but like I, I I was having a hard time following all of the action. Like what was actually physically going on. Like there were some scenes where it was spot on. And I thought it looked great, and then there would be like a few panels later where I would lose the center of what was going on. So I don't know if that's just me or, or what, but um, it's just something that I picked up on. I also uh, think his backgrounds leave a lot to be desired in terms of detail. Like there's just a lot of like empty space, you know, gradients. Yeah. And I'm not asking everybody be Ross Andrew, but you know, the coloring here is very dark and dim with few splashes of red here and there, and it makes it for like you know a pretty droll looking comic. You know, like it's just it, kind this, of this. This could have been Spider Verse and just have everyone standing around with a gray background. <laughs> yeah, but at least Spider Verse had some kind of like you know like really dramatic lighting. You know, when Koi Pell was on, you know that really yeah, no, I know, I know. in space. I, interestingly, I'm just making a Spider Verse joke. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> Anytime you can get a chance to take a dig at Spider-Verse. Yes. Um, but, of course, the um, the final reveal was, uh, you know, it looks like we're going to have a rehash of one of the all-time great stories from the 70s, My Killer of the Car. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, reading that final page, I got really excited. And uh, for, for, for that and because it really reminded me of the uh, the 90s animated series – where the spider slayers were like these giant robot scorpions and spider-looking things. Yeah. I imagined like an awesome spider slayer-esque fight sequence between Peter and his car. And, uh, and that got me pretty excited. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, whatever floats your boat. I mean, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know. simple pleasures, Mark. Yeah, but I I mean it's it's an it's it's a fun reveal and you know like I I feel like Dan Slott has just been dying to tell a Spider-Mobile story since like the you know, I don't know, since 2008. Since Spider-Man uh, <laughs> Human Torch where he did Yeah, it. yeah, exactly. Um so so he gets to tell his Spider-Mobile story and I'm sure it'll be fun. I mean, you know, of course it's 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 you know, it's another instance of like is you know, there being a mole and a betrayal and I feel like this is a well that is just being not even going back to, I mean, like this, this well has been, been drained dry at this point, but you know, Can we just start referring to it as pulling a Sajani. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> is it even pulling a Sajani? I mean, was there anyone before Sajani that we could point to? I don't even know, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, this is, this is a played out, uh, device, but, um, Spider-Man versus the Spider-Mobile. So there's some fun to be had, I guess. 
I'm looking forward to it, to be honest. I, I know you are. I know you are. <laughs> My I, Killer I, the Car is one of the best, like, titles, titles. ever. <laughs> I, I like that Len Wein ag- agreed. Yes, uh, he, 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 he definitely did. Um, what's your grade, Dan? I'm giving this one a C+. Plus. All right. Well, I'm I'm gonna go a notch lower. I'm gonna say C because I mean, again, perfectly average story to me, and C to me is a perfectly average grade. Is that is that, is that still hold true? I don't know. Perhaps. <laughs> well, speaking of perfectly average, Dan, let's go to our comments and emails. <laughs> Spider-Man does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size. Catches feet just like flies. Look out. Here comes the Spider-Man. Is he strong? Did you like, did you like that, Dan? I, I loved it. I loved it. Uh, okay. No. <laughs> no. You're not. None of you are perfectly average. You're all perfect. And by perfect, I mean those of you who leave comments on our iTunes account. We, we implore you, if you are listeners out there, to leave us ratings and and comments on itunes because it helps us grow as a community just search on amazing spider talk or just spider-man in your little itunes searcher thing and we'll pop up uh and then also you can email us questions at amazing spider talk at gmail.com you could tweet at us uh at our respective twitter accounts with the hashtag okay to print and of course you know we started this up before the 100th episode spectacular and we still have it running you can call nine r-e-d-g-o-b-l-i-n that's nine red goblin uh kids get your parents permission before dialing first (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and leave us a voicemail. Um, so, Dan, where do we want to start with our plethora of fan interactions? Oh, we got a plethora here. Let's just start with the uh, the iTunes reviews, shall we? Okay, sure. So our first and only one is from Denmit. I think that's that's right. Denmit. Um, and it says, enjoyable podcast, three out of five. Our first three out of five, Mark. Okay, well, three out of five. Perfectly average. It is perfectly average. So uh, he says, uh, or she says, I really enjoy hearing Dan and Mark's opinions on Spider-Man comics and their interviews with the writers and artists. Well, so far, so good here, Mark. Yeah. The only part I really don't like is when Mark, I think, pretends to be Flash Thompson. That part just wrecks the podcast for me. Well, I'm going to have to talk to Flash about that. Yeah, well, Flash is not around tonight, Dan, so um, there's going to be no Flash tonight. So Den Mitt can give us five out of five on this particular podcast. Yeah, I mean, you know, hey, like I said, I'll chat with Flash. He's been scarce since since around episode 100. Well, no, no, no. He showed up for Juggernaut, right? I think I think he did. Maybe not. I, I'm I'm having a hard time. You I know, try like, to forget about it, but I, one thing I want to be sure to say is I don't know how many times we have to say this. This is not Mark putting on a voice. Flash Thompson is a real person. Yeah, Flash, Flat Eugene Flash Thompson. I mean, look him up in the phone book. I mean, actually, he won't be in the phone book because you know he lives. He's kind of transient. Sometimes in my in my in the back room of my house. Sometimes I don't even know where he goes. You know. He he kind of is a party pooper. I mean, you know, he still has that big man on campus mentality. Um, so he likes to kind of crash the the podcast. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe, maybe, maybe I need to give Betty Brandt a call and see if, um, you know, she has any words of wisdom about 
what to do with Flash. What do you think, Dan? That sounds like a good idea. All right. Although so, Betty certainly carries with her a certain level of danger. Well, she's got some baggage. It's true, but <laughs> but she seems she seems to be at least a little more together. That's I mean, true. you know, That's true. Just as long as like you know, I don't get involved with her brother. That's true. Who uh, randomly came back to life a couple of years ago, if I'm remembering correctly. As the crime master, it's very true. Yeah. Um, so we got a right. special email from one of our biggest fans. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Tom Aiello, um, who who wrote in to us to mention that he completed his Amazing Spider-Man chase. His last comic that he needed to get was Amazing Spider-Man number three. That was my last comic, Dan. I mean, if you're not counting the annuals, of course. Uh, and of course I am. So you're still not done collecting. Yeah, Tom. I mean, Tom has been putting in years to putting this collection together, and he he is... He's very happy and impressed about it, and 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 I I offer him my heartfelt congratulations as the one who completed his chase first. I'm not going to acknowledge that, Mark, because you still don't have the annuals. But Tom, I will congratulate you because I'm pretty sure you have the annuals, and he also has uh, all of the Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man issues. So that's that's a whole other achievement that I don't think either of us are even close to to coming to. Yeah, so congratulations, Tom, and thanks for writing in with this good news. We also got um, an email from Molly D, who writes, I was listening to a recent episode of your podcast, and the mention came up of Spider-Man's possible Queen's accent. It jogged my memory of an issue of Amazing Spider-Man, number 502, where Spidey is talking with a tailor named Leo Zielinski. That's the guy that designed the, the trench coat outfit, for those of you who uh, remember us talking about issue 500 just a couple episodes ago. Right. Is this the guy with mob ties? <laughs> no, no, he doesn't have mob ties. Not, okay. not Leo. He's okay. just a, a guy from Queens. Okay. Um, yeah, but yeah, he's the guy that repairs costumes for both villains and heroes and, and over, overhears something and asks Spidey to intervene. Um, and when Peter asked him how he knows he's a local – because he drops that Peter is a local. The terror looks at him in amusement for a moment and then says, go ahead and ask me again with that Queen's accent how I know you're from the neighborhood. Spidey denies it, but it's the only mention I've come across regarding an accent for Spider-Man. Hope that helps, Molly D. Well, thanks for that awesome email, Molly. As soon as you sent it in, I immediately remembered this moment and thought, oh, I, I can't believe I forgot about that when we were talking about this. But yeah, it is... One of the only times that I've heard that mentioned, and uh, and a great comic uh, that J- from the JMS run, as many of them were. Yeah. No, thanks, Molly. That's a great. That's a great little bit of uh, trivia there. I appreciate it. Well, we've got some voicemail, Mark. So let's let's listen into our very first caller. It's from uh, actually one of our contributors to the site, uh, Kyle Kreis, calling us in. Hey guys, this is. Kyle from the Valley, just finished listening to your Juggernaut podcast, which is especially special to me since that was like some of the first issues I read. Uh, Just one point that I wanted to bring up is the reason why that era is, uh, you know, kind of a little more beloved or, you know, a little more prolific in fans' eyes from that era uh, is because of the cartoon show, the Saturday morning Spider-Man and his amazing friends, and just it was just a solo Spider-Man even before that, that really put it in kids' heads on Saturday morning how cool this dude was, Spider-Man. And then if you went to the spinner rack, these were the issues you were picking up, you know. So 
a very special time in Spider-Man history. All right, Kyle. Well, thanks. Thanks for sending that in. And yeah, I mean, do you remember watching Amazing Friends and Spider-Man is Amazing Friends back in the day, Dan? No, you were probably too young for that, right? Well, you know, it's funny. I I actually own them on VHS and Mm -hmm. I owned one VHS copy. And the funny thing is, it was actually the the episode where Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends and the X-Men teamed up to take on the Juggernaut, of all things. And uh, and it, and it, it plays out almost identically to Nothing Can Stop the Juggernaut because the, Spider-Man tries to peel his helmet off and is unsuccessful. And the only way they defeat him is by Jean Grey using her, you know, mind powers to shut, you know, Juggernaut's brain off. But uh, it's funny that, uh, you know, Kyle mentioned that because that, that was the first episode I remember watching from that show. Cool. Well, we got this other voicemail from uh, Thomas Smith. Shall we uh, give it a listen, Dan? Let's do it. Hi, this is Thomas Smith, and I just had a question. Um, how come Flash never gets his own Flash reviews? He always passes the mic back to Mark and then goes and sulks off in the corner. I think I think you guys should have him review at least one book. Maybe, you know, hide the alcohol until he reviews one and reads it, reads it and reviews it, because uh, I have a feeling he'd really like this Venom Space Knight book for some reason. I don't know why. Just just a thought I had. So why doesn't Flash review his own book? See, you know, for, for every person who doesn't like Flash, the, the man has his fans, or at least fans who want to hear him try and review a comic book story. <laughs> well, you know, that might be, a, he might be a little biased, but yeah, he did... He did try to review a story for us a while ago. I believe he tried to review an issue of Secret Wars, and he got so flummoxed by the whole thing, it really turned him off of of participating in that way. Yeah, I mean, I've tried to talk comics with Flash, and and he believes that they're stupid, childish things that only Puny Parker liked. So, um, go figure. (laughs) All right, well, thanks, everybody, for calling in, writing in, and whatever. I guess the next thing we got to talk about is our... Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. Stand a little straighter, walk a little prouder, be an innovator, laugh a little louder, joke around the crater, we can show you how to, and when will you be then? You belong, you belong, you belong, you belong to the Merry Marble Marching Society. All right, Dan, Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. It's our new way of generating fan support and engagement and interest. And uh, we gave away a prize, right? Yeah, we did. Last week we gave a prize to Chris Dunn, The Untold Tales of Spider-Man Omnibus. And I've included a picture here in the podcast of him receiving the book and looking all happy. So uh, there you guys go. You can check out Chris's prize winnings. And we also have to welcome the newest member to our club. So who is our new member here, Mark? Uh, Kevin Brown. I I wonder if it's the former Major League Baseball player, Kevin Brown. I'm sure it is. So uh, that that would be really interesting because I have a really story that I have a really funny story. I think I would only tell off air about baseball player Kevin Brown. Uh, (laughs) Well, if it is you, Kevin Brown, I guess you should let us know so Mark can dish with you about something. 
Nah, Not he just safe for podcasting. He just he just tried to hit on my wife for an extended <laughs> period of time at a bar. <laughs> well, thanks for your donation, Kevin Brown. And if you're gonna hit on Mark's wife, uh, you should probably cut it out. <laughs> yeah, you know, even after she said she said that he was ma- she was married and that. She was married to a Mets fan, and Kevin Brown, of course, pitched for the Yankees. Was like, "Oh, babe, baby, it's not about the, it's not about the team. It's about the money." <laughs> <laughs> well, he's displaying his money by giving us a donation. I guess. I guess so. <laughs> so, thank you, maybe Kevin Brown. If it's a not the baseball Kevin Brown, then it's thank you. If it's baseball Kevin Brown. Just back off, dude. Go screw yourself. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just another reminder that uh, our next episode will be raffling off this awesome early copy of Marvel's Avengers Encyclopedia, a giant hundreds of pages hardcover book. I flipped through it just the other day, Mark, and it is awesome. It's got these giant splash pages of Avengers artwork and and all the information on every single I mean you wouldn't believe some of the characters that have been on the Avengers team. I I didn't is, even know. Is Sandman in there as being on the Avengers? Yeah, I mean literally everyone. It's like hundreds of members of people that I've never heard of before. Okay. Uh, so we're team. so we're talking like West Coast Avengers, Great Lakes Avengers, the whole deal. Yeah, it does. And it has profiles and histories on all of them. I mean, it's a it's an awesome book. Uh I actually have two copies of it because I'm keeping one for myself. No, 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 no. Oh, my goodness. Dan, at least give it to me. I, I may I may send it over to you, Mark. But anyway, if you guys want to get a chance on getting this book sent to you in the mail, all you got to do is go to both of our sites and click on Mark. What is the, what is the logo read? Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. Why did we name it that? Because I just chose that. Well, Mark, we've got some uh, some big and some small spider news coming our way this week. Um, I guess depending on what your interests are. I know you're not a big movie guy, uh, but... Oh, I like movies. <laughs> well, yeah, but but you're not so much on the the, the following the beat of these Spider-Man movies, are you? Uh, not as much, no. Yeah, well, I guess the big news for some people is that that Spider-Man reboot that we're all looking forward to, or or dreading, or whatever your feelings are about it, it's going to be coming a lot sooner than we expected. Moving up several months, uh, Disney kind of rejiggered their whole lineup, and now we're getting. It like three or four months earlier than we normally would. So that must mean they have some kind of confidence that they're going to be able to turn this thing around pretty quickly. Well, very good. And then um, in terms of comic book news, we, we got some details of an ominous little teaser that Marvel released a few weeks ago called Dead No More. Dan, you and I were on Twitter the day they first announced this and we were thinking, oh, it's got to be something that's not related to Spider-Man because, you know, who who could be dead no more in Spider-Man world that's, uh, you know, as big as a deal that it warrants an event? Well, kids, it's it's a Spider-Man story. So um, Unless the marketing is really deceptive because they gave this new teaser right with 
like a, it looks like a theatrical stage and a spider web on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, they're, they're building this up and, you know, I think this is going to be related to the man in red and all these villains and, and whatnot that we thought were dead that are being resurrected. And, and maybe it's just a whole slew of characters coming back from the dead, but um, it's just adding to me the sense of um, importance for whoever this man in the red suit turns out, or I shouldn't say man, whoever this person in the red suit turns out to be. Uh, it's it's got to be big at this point, right, Dan, if they're building a whole event around it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily a, an event. It could just be a storyline that it has like a, a dramatic, you know, turn in it that someone is who is dead is now alive. And I'm sure we can all speculate, you know, any number of people from Spider-Man's past uh, that could be back. I don't think it would be Gwen, considering we kind of already have multiple versions of Gwen going on right now. Uh, the the mind immediately jumps to Uncle Ben, but would they ever, you know, that's kind of like the untouchable. Yeah. Thing. And plus, like, they've kind of played that beat out in other variations, you know, sure. like in Spider-Verse and, and, you know, like around the, you know, all his, his death sequences that we've had in recent years. Um, the other, the other possibility. I mean, of course, the the obvious question seems to be leaning towards Doc Ock, but I don't seem to feel that Doc Ock is the ringleader or the 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 person in red. Like I, I like I think Doc Ock might be one of the people resurrected. Um, yeah, certainly. And I, I think there's something interesting about the teaser itself having the red curtain. Yeah, you know, giving us a kind of theatricality, and it immediately immediately makes me think of Mysterio. Absolutely. Um, although if I were really wanted to hint at Mysterio, I would probably make the, the, the teaser like a foggy. You yeah. Know. Or like through like a fish, fish, fish eye lens or something. You know what I mean? To like kind of look like through the bowl or something like that. Or Yeah. Um, the, text, and now, the text itself doesn't really give us much. It's really nondescript like styling of text. Yeah. Now in terms of other dead like definitely dead Spider-Man characters and ones that don't seem to get put on the pedestal as much as like certainly uncle Ben and Gwen is, um, Peter's parents. It's an interesting idea. I, I don't know where they would go with that, but I mean, them being back from the dead. I mean, we saw it in a little bit in ultimate, um, uh, but seen it in amazing kind of, uh, right. Oh, that's right. We did get a big story with that. Yeah, so it might be a bit of a retread. That's yeah. why I think like Uncle Ben is like the last thing that hasn't been really turned over. Like a, a serious attempt at bringing Uncle Ben back. Uh, I can't even imagine. I, I don't want to imagine. I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, I, 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 might, I might like outwardly rebel against that. Like that might that that might that could be like the ugliest podcast ever. <laughs> well, whatever it is, they're probably not going to be around. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's what like Captain America fans were saying, like in the early 2000s, and they're like, "Oh, who's this Brubaker guy? They could bring him back. Bucky's a good idea." <laughs> I don't like, know. Come on, I, I don't man. have I don't ha- I don't have the confidence in slot that I do in Brubaker. No, no, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you know, bringing back Bucky was unthinkable, and obviously. Nothing is impossible, but 
I don't know. I think there's a difference between like the kid's sidekick of a superhero and, you know, the the paternal uncle of, you know, you know, who is the home of one of the great tragedies of comic book history. I don't it, know. It'll be Captain Stacy. <laughs> I don't know what you would do with that storyline. And he'll be drawn suspiciously to look like Dennis Leary. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, I think it's time for us to wrap this show up, shouldn't we, Mark? I think so. All right. Well, of course, everybody, uh, you can always find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk podcasts and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.com. And as we said earlier, please make sure you review us on iTunes and Stitcher by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please be sure to leave us that review and subscribe. The subscribing thing is the big thing. Yes, because then we got our, our hooks in you for life or until you unsubscribe on, you know, podcast feed or whatever. But no, in for life. Absolutely. <laughs> Dan is like, stop, stop going off script, Mark. <laughs> no, no, no. I just don't know where that joke could keep going. Um, anyway, but also be sure to check out our Facebook feed and subscribe to our sister podcast, The Ultimate Spin, which, by the way, uh, for those of you who have not checked out The Ultimate Spin yet, uh, this this next episode that, that's going to be releasing this weekend is a great jumping on point. They got the new Miles Spider-Man issue number one, and, the, and there's a new uh, a new co-host in the, in, the, in the rotation. Right, Dan? Yeah. So in many ways, it'll kind of be like everybody's first time. So go check out the ultimate spin and uh, and I'm sure I mean if, especially if you're reading the new Spider-Man book which I and you haven't read it yet Mark but I read it today and I quite liked it so I actually recommend people go pick it up. Yeah, apparently the delivery truck broke down going to my comic book store today. No joke. And this is like one of the biggest comic book stores in New York City. So um, which just goes to show that you know these kind of mundane problems hit us everywhere. <laughs> uh, also be sure to leave us a voicemail at nine red goblin and we'll include your audio message uh, on an upcoming episode. Uh, Dan, what's going on next week? Yeah. Next week we're taking the week off uh, unless I can arrange for a guest to do an interview with me because I'm going to be out of town at a wedding. So uh, keep your eyes on Twitter and Facebook for an announcement about our following episode, which I imagine is going to be a review of Amazing Spider-Man number eight. So sorry for the week off, guys, but, um, you know, use that time to catch up on any episodes you've missed in the past. Yeah, I mean, they're going to need double or triple the time to listen to our 100th episode if they haven't yet. So uh, <laughs> that'll, fill, that'll fill the time. <laughs> There's definitely people out there that are still catching up on that thing. Uh, so, Mark, if people want to follow you on the Internet in the meanwhile, where can they do so? Yeah, of course. Well, you can follow me at SuperiorSpiderTuck.com. I'm still plowing through those uh, top mutant Spider-Man stories, Dan. What did you think about my most recent selection? It was an ultimate Spider-Man story, and it was an annual. Mark, I, I took this as an admission that, that you admitting that annuals count. Well, annuals count in terms of if the stories are good, yes. But, you know, like... This is you playing very loose with the rules. Uh, you know, I, I'm just saying I'm not going to spend 50 bucks on an annual if it's reprinting material that I from another comic that I already purchased. But that's OK. Well, I, you, lo- I love this issue of Ultimate Spider-Man. And I will say Ultimate Spider-Man, all of the annuals did a really good job of um, really giving you something extra that really mattered 
to the story. I mean, we, in the next one, we had, you know, this was the Kitty Pride issue, which I love. And mm-hmm. the second one was one where Peter and Mary Jane talk about whether or not they want to have sex for the first time. Right. Uh, and it introduced uh, Mysterio, or Ultimate Mysterio, or regular Mysterio, actually. Uh, so that was another great issue. Definitely. So uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna get into the final four starting next week, Dan. So um, I don't know if you want to guess at any of them. There are probably some some obvious choices in there, maybe some not so obvious. But um, I'm thinking you know, some of them have Wolverine in them. Yeah, there might be a few with Wolverine. <laughs> 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 he's kind of he's kind of the mutant that is almost most associated with uh, Spider-Man. But I, I, I still think my number one choice is going to throw some fans. So uh, right. keep checking in on that list. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter and let me know what you think of my list or other things about comics or sports or, you know, my hairdo or what, what races you're running at Chase Scene ASM blog on Twitter. Dan, where can we find you? Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at, at SupSpiderTalk. And uh, you can read all the spider writing again at superiorspidertalk.com. Mark, um, I thought I remembered you telling me something about your Uncle Ben being uh, a part of an international drug trafficking ring at some point in his life. Was he undercover or actually a notorious drug lord? Oh, man. You you must have did some, like, really deep searching to find this out because this I is hit like the books i hit the books hard man like i'm, I'm gonna start calling you gumshoe or something i mean this is this is intense okay so yeah um i shouldn't be saying this because now as soon as i say this like his whole cover is blown which is just you know thanks dan uh you ruined my uncle's livelihood <laughs> um but uh no he, he he has been working undercover for a number of years and has had a number of close calls along the way too um, you know, there was that time he like busted that like monkey hoarding ring, uh, for, <laughs> and then, you know, without incident, amazingly, I mean, you know, you hear about those monkeys. <laughs> no, Mark, what do you hear about those monkeys? Well, you know, they might like eat your face or something. I mean, it's terrifying. Um, that is and, terrifying. You, know, <laughs> you know, then there was that one time, like he actually was like, um, lassoed to a chair with a famous newspaper publisher while trying to bust up a crime ring uh, in New York City. Uh, you know, he was they were filling up the room with water and he, he found a way to get out. Um, I mean, but my, my uncle has just busted crime families left and right, drug traffickers, the whole thing. Well, you think that um, they would they would have caught on to him by now or is he wearing like a, a patch mask? He's wearing a patch mask and uh, he, he's just doing great. Uh, he, he's really making a difference. He's never died on the job, which is miraculous because it's my uncle Ben. And you know, Good you would think he, you would him. think that you would think that it would always be a tragic end. And and when I asked Uncle Ben how he does it, he just says, "Well, you know, I the big lesson in my life is uh, with great podcasts must also come amazing spider talk."